Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, last week, we heard from Hayden Brass at Zia about some of the diverse and very real challenges of balancing profit and purpose. Today, we're chatting with a founder whose every breath is focused on driving profit to enable her brand's purpose. Lucy Jeffrey is the inspirational young founder of Bearkind, a brand that makes a range of animal-themed bamboo socks. With every sale, 10% of profits go directly to supporting conservation projects protecting the featured animal. Now, I asked Lucy to join me on the show, not just because she's growing a really awesome sustainable brand, but because I became aware of the phenomenal success they've been having with wholesale. And I wanted to pick her brains about that for strategies that you could use in your brands too. However, I was so fascinated by our discussion that we accidentally carried on for over an hour. So to make the content a little bit more manageable and to fit into your day, I've decided to split this recording over two episodes. So today's episode is going to focus on profit and impact because there are some really interesting lessons that I want to share with you about how Bearkind communicate their impact, all of which are immensely important to understand if your brand is strongly purpose-driven. Towards the end, we touch on how important wholesale has been to building a bigger profit base for the brand, which of course enables more impact too. Then in next week's show, we'll come back to the second half of our interview, where we'll explore the exact strategies Bearkind are using to do things like getting to over 700 retail stores and more or less double their profit. I'll be ruthlessly quizzing Lucy for tips and tricks for success in wholesaling, and we'll learn how you can get your hands on even more insights to take your wholesale strategies to the next level too. So with that, let's start the show. Lucy, Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Hi, Giles. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am literally, I'm beside myself. Uh, I, <laughs> I couldn't, I could not be more excited because two things. Firstly, um, I absolutely adore your brand and I'm totally in awe of the way that you communicate it. Your site is so well optimized. It's brilliant. And I want to spend a week just exploring that with you. But... <laughs> Also, we've connected today because we're going to talk about a really cool strategy, which I think is one of the essential strategies for people to have in their pocket, you know, this year, given all the craziness that's happening in mm. Adland, which of course is wholesale. And you guys are killing it with wholesale and your strategies. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I, I'm just going to shut up and ask you to please give us a little bit about your story as a founder. Who are you? Who's Lucy Jeffrey? And of course, a little bit about Bearkinds before we get into it all. Yeah, absolutely. So a bit of an intro about me. So yeah, currently living in London, um, in the UK, which is where I was born and bred. Um, I went to the University of East Anglia, uh, which is in Norfolk, uh, studied biology. So that's relevant because it's completely random. So I studied biology and then I joined a grad scheme with a bank. <laughs> um, again, completely random. It was just a job for me. Um, so yeah, left uni. Uh, I did the classic gap year, Australia, New Zealand. And then, then I joined the working world, um, started with HSBC on the grad program. It was a good job. I enjoyed it, but it didn't, didn't really light any fires underneath me. It was kind of like tiny cog, massive machine. You know, I wanted to bring something else out into the world. You know, I was thinking about my legacy and what I'm going to do with my life. It's just, it's that kind of like early, early twenties, like who am I, what am I doing? Like that kind of thing. So 
that's when Bear Kind started to come out. Whilst I was still on the grad scheme, um, I started playing around with the idea of bring, doing a product business that helped the world um, in, a, in a slight way. So the, the first product I actually started with was reusable straws. Um, and it's because there was this big anti-single-use plastic revolution happening. Um, the EU were bringing out laws to kind of ban single-use straws and things like that. So I'd seen one friend with a reusable straw in her purse. And I was like, oh, why are you carrying a straw around? Like I'd never, never seen it before. And thought, great. I, I mean, I can bring out some funkier straws than that silver one. Let's do some rainbow ones. And that's just where I started like my journey with e-commerce. So started with drop shipping, realized that wasn't a sustainable method in the slightest and so moved away from that quickly. And then kind of it evolved from there. I played with different products, uh, recycled T-shirts, tote bags, before I then landed on my like now hero product, uh, which is bamboo socks and 10% of the profits are donated to save the animal on the sock. So again, completely random higgledy-piggledy path. But here I am now full time on a sock business. So I started with because of the straws, again, that was relevant. We had a bit of a mascot in the turtle because there was this video circulating with a, um, of a turtle with a plastic straw so like stuck up his nose. Um, so because we were selling straws, that turtles became a bit of a mascot. So that's where I started. Um, and I tell everyone that actually the charity model came first. I love animals. Um, I wanted to be a vet when I was little. Like, I just love animals. So I was like, I want to support animal conservation in some way, shape or form. I was at the time I was thinking, do I go into that as a career? Like, do I try and find a job in that? Uh, typically very difficult to get into and banking to charity was a bit of a jump. But so I did it with Bear Kind instead. So I kind of set up a partnership with the Turtle Foundation. That was my very first sock, very first charity partner. And yeah, and that's so I did one sock and that was it. And people loved it and were like, oh, what's next? So then I bought out four more socks. That was my first range. Then another five, then another 10. Now we're on like 50 plus. Um, yeah, so now I own a sock company, but it was, as you can tell, it was never really the the aim, but here we are. <laughs> so many great things about that, but just talk for a moment about, because you mentioned you just dropped it in, in, in passing because you're moving so quickly there about the fact that there's, you know, you, you support, um, certain animals that are on the sock. So just pause there and tell us about that for a minute, because that's a really cool thing that I haven't heard from anyone else. Yeah, it really is our USP. Um, and of course, there's lots of companies that support charity. Like you can do like 1% for the planet um, and other kind of like profit share ways of doing it. But we are specifically very um, like close-knitted with the charities and that particular animal on the sock. So every single design we have is linked to an animal conservation or rescue charity. So you as a consumer can come on the website and say, I love orangutans. Great, I can wear them on my socks and I can support the orangutan foundation. So it's as specific and product level as that. And I would say it creates a hell of a lot more admin for us, mm. but because we have to have contracts with every single charity and they all work in different ways. Um, it's a full-time job in itself. But I really, really believe in the power of like that messaging behind, you know, that one product is this, this story, this charity. Um, and we really see that come out in our marketing as well. Um, and obviously that's not why we do it. Like that's you know, I really believe that we can support each of those charities. And there is the question of like, what if you just support one, you're going to have more money going to that one. But I think as we grow, you know, I can support all of these charities, bring more info. It's about like the kind of um, telling the people about it all as well, the education behind it, um, as well as the kind of profit funding. And yeah, I just, I love working with these charities. It's so exciting for me. And, you know, the, the goal for me to, really is to be able to turn around and say we've donated millions to these charities 
And then the secondary goal to that is I really want to go around visiting them all and seeing what they're doing, uh, which would be cool. We've got some, we've got like 13 UK based ones, so very achievable. But then like Orangutan Foundation is Borneo. Um, the turtle one is Indonesia in various different places. So that would be really cool. I love the way you tell the story about that as well. You've got um, one of the sections on your homepage is, is our positive impact. And you've got a kind of gallery of all the projects you know 12 giraffes adopted 4300 turtle hacklings 12 rugby pitches of wildflower seeds keeps going on and on and on and on and that in itself even though you're not maybe concentrating the impact that in itself has a great story because you can see how continuing to buy from you as a customer is going to continue to have impact and actually make a difference it's a very clever model that you have with with connecting the consumer and their choice today to buy a pair of socks with puffins on to puffin conservation somewhere uh, as opposed yeah. to okay well you know maybe five percent of my purchase will go to a charity somewhere don't really know who it is and, and it has nothing to do with my favorite animal what yeah. a clever impact model you've built it's yeah it's very powerful um and yeah so that what you're looking at is our charity impact report so we release that every january february so what we'll do is we'll, you know have donations from the previous year we'll work them out we'll go to the charities and say this is what we're donating what does it do and then we're able to turn around to the customers and you know everyone on our website and say okay well we this is what we actually achieved last year this in the real terms like this is what it actually achieves and you know we don't have to talk about the actual dollar figure because it's no one actually cares when it comes down to it because mm. they don't know what that means because we could turn mm. around and say we've donated x thousand they're like okay congratulations but if you turn around and say we built you know the money we donated to the turtle foundation will build a turtle hatchery which it mm. did for last year um and show a picture of it on the beach be like this is what we can build with this money and it's like wow okay because for one person it's just a pair of socks like it's a pair of socks that they bought but collectively everyone and you're buying for your friends and your family and the christmas and we do obviously very well at christmas comes in and we say this is actually what we've achieved together it's a bit more community feel so yeah as i said it does great for like marketing because it's it's that story it's that messaging it's like yeah. it's less about the sale and more about the kind of what it actually achieves in the background which is really nice yeah what you just said was so powerful that i want to come back and just talk about it a little bit more because you just talked about you know oh if i said i donated you know 10 grand or 15 grand or whatever to a charity people go oh that's nice well done and that kind of flat response that you get <laughs> is exactly what you expect because so many brands get this wrong right because they think that the donations they're having the philanthropy that they've done is impact but it isn't it's just mm. donation from profit number yeah. one nobody really understands that nobody really understands what profit means right it, consumers don't know they don't really they don't really get it and and you can change profit definition on a whim so the fact that you've donated some percentage or some amount of money is over is all very nice but then what difference does it make the impact yeah. is the actual change that's happened and when we're coaching people through developing impact models it's all about being able to surface up the actual delta the actual thing that you've done as a result of the money that you've invested or the time that you've invested or you know whatever else it is that you've done because saying that you've that you've been able to sponsor 12 giraffes in a year that's impact because you know that 12 giraffes have been saved and have been looked after as opposed to the cost of that which is five thousand dollars okay but what does that mean it means nothing yeah right so i love that yeah we really see it coming out on the other end before people have purchased so on our ads because that's typically where people have they'll be hit with the ad have no, no idea what the company is and who i am or anything that's just very high level awareness stage 
Um, and most people are like, oh, what cute, what a great idea, love this, tag someone. But that's also where we start to see the skeptics come out mm. um, because that's we'll see it. And it's in the minority, um, but that's where people will be like, only 10%, what does that get you? Or like, you know, oh, that's good, you're doing 10%, but what are your top level CEOs paid? And I'm like, we're just a small business, it's just me, not much. <laughs> like, um, so it's it's very interesting that people are one looking at it and assuming we're some massive company that's like greenwashing them and you know all that jazz, which I understand why people are skeptical because they're being mm. hit with sustainable lines from H and M and stuff, mm. and then they're you know it's all merging into one. So we kind of have to have that story behind it to you know really show people you know be transparent people and really show yeah. who we actually are, what we're actually doing, rather than like this is not just a PR strategy. Yeah. Um, so you're right. It is all about how we communicate it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, percentage of something is kind of a CSR initiative. Actual mm, things yeah. done is an impact, right? And that and and if you can tie that back to the the customer's actual purchasing, they know exactly what from what amount of their purchase today is going to go to exactly what type of charity doing what. Then suddenly, uh, all the dots are, are connected. And customers know exactly what the impact of their purchase is, as opposed to going, okay, well, I feel like it's it's, it's a nice brand. It's sort of they doing they say they're doing some nice things, but I actually know what I'm doing. So, oh my goodness, I love this whole model so much. And um, I'm going to say it right now. We'll say it at the end anyway. But bearkind.co.uk, go and check out that site if you're an impact brand, because what uh, what Lucy's doing is just so exciting and so exactly how I would explain that people should be doing it in terms of demonstrating their impact. So. Anyway, let's stop going on about that because I could literally keep talking about this all day because <laughs> I want to get to some more really interesting things that you're doing. Um, but before we get onto the wholesaling side of things, just bring it back. Just one thing I want to finish off on with regards to that is in terms of your retail customers, the people that buy for your website, do you get feedback from them that shows that they chose you because of the purpose of the brand as opposed to, oh, I just really like those socks with bees on? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yes, we do. So we've got a checkout post checkout survey and we've got reviews, which is and obviously like if a customer actually messages us or emails us and from a verbatim point of view. Yeah, they yeah, they come back, especially the reviews are saying, uh, you know, I bought, you know, I love this charity. I love this animal. Like, it's so nice. They all mention the animal saving thing. And I think mm. That's really is like our target audience is people care about that kind of thing. Um, but interestingly, they stay or they come back because the product is good quality yeah. Um, or we've given them good service or it's like fast shipment. So I think because really this could be a gimmick, really, like if we hadn't got the product to the right quality, it could be a gimmick. And you say, great, that's really nice. Support orangutans, funky sock. But it could be a bad quality product. But it was really important for me as part of the sustainability side of it as well to yeah. have a product that lasts. It's really good quality that, you you know, it is a more expensive pair of socks compared to buying a multi, multi pack from say a supermarket. So we need to kind of put our money where our mouth is. So, yeah. So, again, they yeah, they, the reason they buy is because they do like the, the idea, the message behind it. And that's why they support us. But um, I don't think we'd have as many repeat buyers if the socks weren't actually good. I think that's important to people, especially when they're spending their hard earned money, especially at the moment. Like it is hard earned money. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's a really important part of it as well. And we all know that if you're making a more sustainable product, generally speaking, the cost of goods is going to be higher than a cheap synthetic thing right we, yeah i mean every, everybody that's in this space understands that 
That means that your price point, if you're going to maintain a strong margin for sustainable growth in your brand, the financial part of the sustainability conundrum, we all know that that means your price is going to have to be higher. And if your price is higher, especially in a downturn like we all we all know we're in and we're all experiencing it, that means your story has to be absolutely banging in order to be able to support that that price point, right? Which which yours clearly is. Um, so it's what I was asking really is because clearly, you know, you your socks are not cheap. They're not cheap and cheerful yeah. socks, right? They're they're quite expensive socks, actually, which is, and I think that's awesome, by the way, because what you're doing is you're, that's enabling the impact to happen. Um, and and you, the fact that you connected the beautiful designs, the high quality of the product back to making a difference in the world. I mean, that to me is the very epitome of brilliance when it comes to sustainable brands. Um, yeah. So it was so great to hear that from you just then. Yeah, yeah. and I, actually, we're like in line. There is a whole market of actually quite expensive socks out there. So we're um, so for context, we're nine ninety five a pair at the moment for our kind of standard, most popular range. That's pretty much in line with other bamboo socks on the market. There's definitely ones that are more expensive. If you look at brands like Happy Socks, they're the big boys in the sock world. They're more like 11, 12, 13 pounds a pair plus shipping. It get it gets expensive. And so there's definitely a massive market of, of expensive socks. Um yeah. and we're we say we're a gifting product. So like we're the kind of, you know, 10 pounds, you'd look at it and think, great present for someone, you might not flinch, but you're not you might not buy it for yourself. That's fine. And we we do know we are a gifting product or a treat. So yeah, it's a really interesting price point, but it's also you know, we're in line with the market, but we also take, obviously take the hit with the 10% of our bottom line goes mm. to charity. Um, so it's an interesting one to manage. You could argue that there's wiggle room to put our price up, but mm. the set, we do have a more premium range. We have a premium range that's twelve ninety five a pair and they're, they're even more bamboo content. They're really thick, pretty, like they feel amazing, but they are a bit more expensive. Um, so we have that kind of like premium range out there. Um, but I just love the idea of this, like, okay, it's, it's a tenner. Like that's that's where we we sit. It's under ten pounds, gifts under ten pounds, that kind of thing. Um, I'm sure I don't know the way the world's going. We might have to do a price increase next year. Um, but we did. I've always managed to price increase and still keep it under a tenner because psychologically it just feels like something for me. But uh, we'll mm. just have to see how everything goes because obviously everything is getting more expensive. We're absorbing a lot of cost on shipping and packing, picking yeah. and supply chain and that and marketing. It just goes on and on, doesn't it? But we're still managing, we're still profitable. So, you know, it's a tough climate right now, but I think, you know, just bring on Christmas. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Happy days when it comes to Christmas because for a gifting brand, and I suppose it does make sense that you're a gifting brand, although, no, actually, I was going to say, I, I would, would I want socks for Christmas? Yes, I absolutely would. That's what I asked for last Christmas. So yeah, socks, yeah. brilliant. And and now, and these are kind of, you know, meaningful socks as well. So absolutely yeah. brilliant. I love it. I love it so much. And, but you've had an incredible journey of growth as well. Not, I mean, yeah. as a result of all this good that you're doing and the storytelling that you've, you've managed to, to achieve because your brand's not been going very long, has it? No, I mean, from the start five, we've just hit five years, but that's including all the kind of straws, t-shirts, et cetera. So it wasn't until 2019 that I tested the turtle sock a few months later, tested like a few more. And then obviously 2020 hit everyone. Um, so we, the model I was using at the time is I've moved away from drop shipping. I'd shipped for a little bit myself, but then I'd gone on holiday during Christmas, didn't want to shut the business down. So my mum had taken over um, and then she just kept going. So my mum was doing my shipping. So obviously during COVID, I was like, no, you're not leaving the house. Like the, we just shut the business down. Like I was like, I have no way to fulfill these orders. Fine, we'll just take the hit. Wasn't really sure what to do with it, but 
um, took out a bounce back loan, um, which in the UK was um, the government was giving out loans to support businesses during COVID uh, with like no interest rate for a, for a, at least a year. Um, so I was like, you know, I'll just take out a quick loan. And if I don't use it, I'll just pay it back interest free, win win. Uh, but I ended up just slamming it all into Facebook ads um, just before Christmas. And we sold out before the end of November. And so I quit my job in 2020. In 2020. And so I quit my job. It was a bit of a I mean, it had been a long time coming, but at the moment, in the moment, it felt a bit like rash. I was like, oh, we've just sold out. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do this. And just, I just quit my job. (laughs) So it was all very, I think COVID kind of spurred me on to just, you know, grab life. Mm. Um, So that was the end of 2020. We'd only done about 20K revenue that year. You know, I was sold out for the entire of December, which is actually not ideal. So I just quit and then we had no revenue. Um, But yeah, we had some great growth. So 2021 was my first year full time on the business, hired a couple of people, moved into a fulfillment warehouse. Um, I took 50K investment from my university. So that was UBA I mentioned before. Uh, They have a great investment program for student and alumni. So I took some money from them um, and we hit just over 200K revenue in 2021. So 10 times growth which was awesome. And then, yeah, 2022, similar story, uh, hired a couple more people. Um, you know, we had some amazing growth, add more designs, lots more products, like just awesome year, insane Christmas. We did some radio ads and that really kind of helped around boost our sales around the Christmas time. And yeah, we ended the year on 540K turnover. So really like that step up. What I would say is our profit didn't increase that much from 21 to 22. We were VAT registered. The postal strikes hit us like an absolute truck. Like it was horrendous. Um, or like our postage costs went up three times during that during that period. Mm-hmm. And we absorbed it all, uh, which was a mistake. Um, and yeah, radio ads, again, they were quite expensive, but good. So our revenue really shot up, but our profit didn't. So this year we're really optimizing for profit. So uh, unless something crazy happens i think we're probably on track for a similar turnover but more profitable this year which is good (laughs) yeah um but it's just interesting that kind of journey we've been on to like oh go shoot for the moon with revenue and then ah i didn't actually make that much money when you kind of take all the costs out (laughs) yeah it is interesting particularly when you put that in the context of what we're about to start talking about which of course is wholesale because wholesale has a very interesting and quite different dynamic to the retail the retail side of things right so mm. you are you have been tremendously successful i heard i saw a post somewhere that you put on uh the other day and i forget the number but tell us how many wholesalers do you are you working with now so we're in definitely in over 700 stores um, yeah. But with, within like 18 months, because our wholesale journey started quite late, actually. Um, that was 2021, really, um, that we like the back end of 21. So, yeah, we yeah had an enormous amount of growth in that field. And there's yeah. And that's so that's over two hundred thousand pounds revenue. And I think a lot of people think of wholesale as well. It's half your retail price. That's your profit is just gone. But Absolutely. it's not really when you look at it. Our margins are actually pretty healthy because yes, the co- the kind of price we're selling at is less, but we don't take the hit on VAT. We charge VAT on top, so that's just kind of netted out. Um, mar- we have hardly any marketing costs in this channel. If anything, the marketing costs really are commission based if we're using various marketplaces, and then you only pay that when you make a sale. Um, so cost acquisition is super low. Shipping as well, like shipping is a huge expense for us, but it's spread out over hundreds of units rather than just three or four. 
Um, so yeah. as a channel, it's actually pretty profitable. So if it's something you hadn't considered because you think, oh, wholesale, I don't want to charge half my retail price, actually look into it because it's it, it's not just that. There's so many benefits to it. And obviously it's free marketing for your product. We're in 700 stores around the world. Mm. For, for, they pay us for that privilege. So our brand is out there. Um, so I'm a massive advocate for this channel. We've done really well from it. And we've pit off the back of last year where I said we've you know, not been as profitable. We pivoted the whole team into wholesale at the start of the year. We said, right, D to C is not profitable for us, Q1 to Q3, in the marketing model we were using. But we were like, we're, we're, on, we're hamsters on the wheel. We're just trying to make D to C work during the rest of the mm. year. And it's so hard to make work because of all the marketing costs. 60% of our revenue comes in November and December. Right. We are such a seasonal business. So we need wholesale to kind of balance that out for us throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. So really important context there, um, you know, given that we're talking about a major channel for brand growth here. Yeah. And, you, you know, given the context of, you know, the classic sort of digital ad space being very difficult to make work, especially for smaller brands, if you've got bajillions to drop into it and get the algorithms working, you know, maybe it's a different story. But for most small brands, it's very hard to get digital media working uh, these days. Yeah. So in that context, Wholesale is another one of the many opportunities that we have to kind of grow, grow our brands, right? So what you've just said is, yeah, our business is seasonal, so we don't make much money most of the year. It's it's so skewed towards Christmas and, and the yeah. gifting season. So for us, we're looking to balance out the rest of the year with a constant predictable channel of sales, yeah. which is what the wholesale thing is. And then coming back to the economic structure, you've got to put in, in context, yes, you're going to make less gross margin on wholesale than you are retail, mm. but bottom line profit, you've got to take that into account as well, because you're probably spending a lot of money driving traffic to your retail store, and you're going to be shipping out individual orders, which you know you might be charging for, you maybe not. If you're, if you're offering free shipping, of course, that cost immediately drops off your order gross margin. So what you've just experienced with Bearkind is that you doubled your top line retail revenue, but because so much expense was tied to driving sales, you didn't see an increase in your operating profit. In other words, your business was suddenly half as profitable. Yeah. So I know that a lot of other brands are experiencing the same thing right now. And if you're listening and this is happening to you, listen up, because in seeing that, what Lucy's done is explored wholesale. And Lucy, you've realigned your team to focus on that channel for most of the year, deprioritizing investment in digital. And that's resulted in maintaining your revenue, but increasing your profit. And the majority of the improvement seems to be in the trade-off between gross margin loss with wholesale versus reduction in direct marketing spend to drive traffic for retail. So should we assume then that your wholesale strategy is based off using wholesale platforms like trade and fair and so on? Yeah, so we do a little bit of direct. And before we make, before we jumped on all these new platforms that have come out, we were direct wholesale sales. Um, but we've just basically now moved all those customers onto the platforms because the way most of them work. So Fair is our main channel. Uh, so we're on Fair. That's our biggest one. The second one then is Anchor Store, which is European sales, but we get much less through that. Um, more recently, we're on Creo 8, but to be honest, not getting a huge amount through that. So Fair is our main one, and the the way they work is they take a commission on the orders that they bring you. So it's a marketplace. I liken it to Etsy, but for wholesale. So lots of independent mm. brands, you can a retailer can come on and say, great, I want that, that, and that for my shop. If they facilitate that sale, that's 
usually about 25% commission and then 15% for reorders. But if you are driving the sale as the brand, so I turn around and say, hey, customers of mine, come onto this platform. It makes it so much easier to buy. You get net payment terms of 60 days, things like that, loads of benefits. It's so it's it's a great shopping experience for them. My customers love it, but it's 0% commission for life on those customers. So what you're looking at is actually a blended and any lead you find. So anyone like I could approach a retailer and say, are you unfair? You know, build that relationship and then shop with them. And if I have that proof that they're my customer or they use my link, um, 0% commission on them. So we did a lot of that and we've grown massively through that. Um, we're bringing lots of people to the platform and for that fair rewards us. They love that we're bringing lots of people to the platform. So they boost us in the algorithm. So our blended commission across all those sales is actually much lower than that 25%. It's last year, it was actually around 4%. It's gone up because we're now seeing it kind of seesaw towards marketplace sales. So now it's more like 10, 10, 12%, but still it's yet yeah, people get scared off because they're like 25 percent commission no thanks but it's not yep. like that if you're bringing your own customers your own like acquisition which we've done a lot of um it's a really really affordable channel and that percentage is so much less than cost of acquisition on the retail side of it facebook google um yeah so it's yeah it's a really really great channel once you get going so wholesaling has obviously changed the absolute face of your business which is which is really cool and I, I feel like we're on the precipice of jumping really deep into that but before we do can you tell us a little bit about what your plans are uh, for the business for over the next couple of years what you're really excited about what you're working on you know and what your big goals are for for mm. growth so the goal is global domination um, in the SOC landscape. Love that. <laughs> Small goal, just a little one. Yeah, I love it. Small, measurable. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, <laughs> smart goal. Um, yeah, so what we're doing, we, we, we want to break into US more. We do have retailers and customers out there, but until we have a warehouse, I think it's going to be too difficult to bridge that shipping gap. So looking for a US warehouse at the moment. Uh, so going to move into that. Again, this thing of where the product is going, we're still kind of evolving in the sock landscape. So I want to work with more sustainable fibers. I want to get a circular sock, uh, more technical socks, want to do some diabetic socks because typically they're, you know, the sock themselves is great function for someone with diabetes, but they're quite boring. Uh, they're usually just kind of black or gray socks, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe some spots if you're lucky, but we've got some amazing socks and I just want to make them more accessible for other people that, you know, struggle with their feet. Um, so there's some like evolving on the product there. Um, what else? John, I'd love to in john lewis that's that's i've always said that's my big retailer that i want to go after so maybe in the next couple of years that will happen um and then after that really i think we need an eu warehouse because brexit and it's just been a pain in my ass so um we need an eu warehouse and then i would like one in australia as well that would be really yeah, cool yeah so i'm glad you finished off on that yeah <laughs> goodness for that and we'd love to have be here as well so um please make that happen sooner rather than later because we need to get our hands on these and talking of which where where do people go right now if they're based anywhere around the world what's the best bet to get some bear kind socks anywhere around the world head to bearkind.com um yeah we service everyone from that one website um and then social media yeah we're again bear kind on everything um and it's bear not the animal b-a-r-e kind so bear kind on instagram facebook youtube um find me yeah other, i guess other business owners please connect with connect with me on linkedin lucy jeffrey um search lucy jeffrey bearkind i'll come up uh happy to connect with people send me questions ask about the course um yeah we're really like open and transparent with everything we're doing so the youtube is great as well because we have our own podcast on there where we share like 
how bear kind is going we do a monthly board pack so it's literally like our board pack we share it on youtube um so we're very open about like what's going on with the business we're building in public which is like the new trend apparently um so yeah just come say hi and so the podcast it was candid founders was it or you got a different one yeah candid yeah. founders so candid founders on all your good podcast platforms but if you head to bear kind on youtube literally all our content is in that one spot you'll find it all there yeah love it what a wealth of cool stuff you've just shared with us today Lucy thank you so much yeah glad you enjoyed it brilliant 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 and brilliant brand um everyone needs to immediately go and head to your website to go and see a a masterclass in how to communicate impact because it's all there so thanks again Lucy it's been wonderful and I can't wait to see where you go with the brand next thanks for having me it's been great Okay, back to Giles again for my top takeouts. And I want to talk about three powerfully important words that you have to consider when creating your brand messaging. Congruency, impact, and transparency. So let's talk about congruency first. If you're new to the show or you've missed where we've talked about this before, when I say congruency, I'm talking about the alignment of everything the brand does with the brand's mission. Having a congruent brand is absolutely foundational to being able to convey an authentic message. It's foundational to building consumer trust. It's about making sure there's a straight line of sight between the brand purpose, the operational activities, and the eventual positive impact that brand is making. So let's look at Bearkind. Their brand purpose is to save animals. Their impact is directly aligned with that, dedicating 10% of profits to charities and projects focused on protecting endangered animals and habitat conservation. So the two things, purpose and impact, are aligned. They're congruent. But what about their business model? They're making socks. Is that congruent with saving animals? Well, it would be a bit of a stretch, except that they've made it congruent by designing playful socks with animal themes. And more so, each animal theme is directly connected to the donations that they make. That means it's not just congruent as a story, but they've also created a compelling narrative that customers can take part in too. Now, Lucy rightly said that could just be a gimmick and they've placed significant focus on making high quality and more sustainable products using bamboo. But because of this obvious alignment all the way through, their story instantly feels authentic. So let's next look at impact. Lucy described a kind of lukewarm reaction from customers when talking about how much money they've donated, or even worse, what percentage of profit goes to charity projects. And if you're communicating your impact in those terms, I'm sorry to say that that is the best you can expect, a lukewarm reaction, especially if you're a small or medium brand and the actual amount of money you've donated isn't mind-boggling yet. What does it mean? What difference have the donations made? What confidence can a customer have that buying from you will result in a specific impact? What Bearkind do is leverage what we call collective impact as part of their brand story. They share very precise and tangible outcomes that have been achieved with each project they work with, which gives everyone a high degree of visibility of the real good that's actually been done. Lucy pointed out that their impact model definitely fragments their impact. Smaller things can be achieved with each project, and that's certainly something to consider. But what this model does is it enables the customer to choose to support causes that really matter to them. In other words, it makes the customer the hero. So I'm not saying that it's not okay to talk about the amounts donated or percentage of profits allocated. Far from it. Those are important dimensions. But it is vital to include clarity on your actual tangible, quantifiable impact as a key part of your story. 
So that brings us nicely to talk about transparency. It's definitely a sliding scale. Most people think of transparency as supply chain related. And Bearkind do talk about their CDEX and Ecotex verified suppliers. Then there's impact transparency, the sort of thing that we were just speaking about. But right at the end of the interview, I was struck by Lucy's comment about building in public and how they're sharing everything they're doing, including their board pack reviews openly. It's a newish trend and one that just might help address the very pervasive lack of trust that consumers have for brands right now, especially among millennials and Gen Z. Either way, Bearkind are taking transparency very seriously, truly inviting customers in to be part of their journey. I haven't seen many brands doing that, even among those who practice radical transparency, so it's definitely a trend to watch. So I hope you enjoyed the first part of our interview with Lucy today. I promise you, if wholesaling is a strategy you're working on in some way, you're going to want to tune into next week's show. Blank out some time in your calendar for 9.30 a.m. next Monday as we rejoin Lucy and go deep into the strategies that she's been using and some of the many things that you'll need to get right in order to make wholesaling a profitable growth strategy for you as well. I'll be back with you for all that next week. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet. <laughs>